Welcome into episode 14 of Sports Are Funny with George Arjour. Today's episode is the last one of the decade. Um, it's been a pretty fun first 13 episodes. Uh, hopefully 2020 is the year we take off here on Sports Are Funny and on Sports on Tap. Uh, today's episode is going to be pretty much New Year's Eve, why it's an amateur hour. The semifinals of college football, NFL wildcard weekend, Jameis Winston, my NBA all-decade team, and a little bit of Don't Fuck With Cats. If you haven't seen that documentary on Netflix, it's fantastic. So we'll break that down a little bit of that. I'll tell you before, so if you want to watch it, uh, spoiler alerts, don't watch it end. But I'll give you a little heads up before that. Um, as always, this episode is brought to you by Son Sports. That's SONTSports.com, which is named Sports on Tap. So you should check that out. Uh, that's our company, our media company, growing in size. Thanks to you guys. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to everyone who uh, follows us. It's highly, highly, highly appreciated. So thank you again. Um, as always, you can, you gotta, you know, spread the word on this podcast, send it to friends, tell people to listen and subscribe, rate it five stars, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe and download. It really helps us grow. So that'd be really cool. But first, before we get started, we got a message from our sponsor. So check it out and welcome to episode 13 of sports are funny. All right, so welcome to the episode. Uh, first, we're going to get started. This is a new thing I'm going to try here on every episode. It's started off with a little rant, a little talk, a little thing. It could be about sports. It could be about life. Last episode, I kind of broke down Christmas and wished everyone a Merry Christmas. This time, we're going to talk about New Year's and why it's absolute amateur hour. And that's why I don't really like to go out on New Year. I don't like to travel on New Year. I really like to avoid doing anything of complete importance on New Year in general. I know a lot of people might say, oh, you're a party pooper, but it's not that because I love New Year's. I love the whole idea of celebrating a new year, celebrating uh, the end of a successful year and hopefully beginning of an even more successful year. It's really cool. Like The concept is absolutely awesome, but my problem is with the people, man. You go out on New Year's, you go out to a bar, you go out to a club, you go out to a restaurant, and it's just amateur fucking hour. It's these people that have not gone out the whole entire year, and they go out this one time a year on New Year's, and they just get hammered. Like, absolutely drunk. Is that guy, usually the guy's name is like Kyle or something, and comes up to you, and he wants to fight, or he's fighting someone else, or there's a girl throwing up in the corner, or someone's stumbling and spills her drink on you. It's like New Year's just brings out the worst people. Literally the worst. So what do I like to do on New Year's, you ask? Well, I like to go places that are not amateur hour. How do you do that? One, you stay at home and throw your own little party with friends. That way, you have filtered out anyone who'd be part of the amateur hour. Uh, you go to a family another family's house you go to another friend's house you gotta make sure you're not around randoms on new year's and not just that 
another problem is the driving. First of all, Ubers become uber expensive, pun intended. And two, and more importantly, everything is triple the price for worse experience. That's the worst part of it. You're getting triple the price with people you don't know, with people who suck for triple the for for like half the experience. Going out more expensive. There's more cops on the road. There's more problems going on. You should obviously you don't drink and drive, so you want to take an Uber. It's triple the price. Get in. Triple the price for what? Shitty music usually, because it's usually the most like you know. Oh, especially this year. This year is gonna be the fucking worst. We're gonna be having the best songs of a decade the whole time. So that's my little rant on New Year's. But happy New Year's to you all. And if you're going to do something, just be careful because there's so many damn bad people out there. I guess that's my problem, man. There's so many people that just absolutely suck. So I just really try to avoid them. And the ones that suck the most usually come out on New Year's. Um, So no, I will not be seen at a club near you or at a bar near you this New Year's. I will be at uh, at a friend's house, a little quiet, enjoying myself. And then maybe the weekend after, man, you go out. Maybe you start traveling. It's a big year here for sports are funny. And once the plans are completely, completely sealed, I'll tell you all about the big plans for sports are funny pod this year. But you're going to all love it. So thanks. for That's my rant today. And now we're going to have to get into something that I never thought was possible. I never thought, I never thought that I'd ever see and never thought would ever be achieved and that's my man Jameis Winston the 30 for 30 I know I've heard a lot of jokes about it but really I'm not even going to joke about it he had a year where he threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions and was the only quarterback to throw 5,000 yards I think he now has joined the only quarterbacks in history of the National Football League the whole entire National Football League I'm going to pull it up right now. I think if I'm, I have already memorized it, but it's Dan Marino, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Big Ben, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes. So Peyton, Brees, Brady, Big Ben, Mahomes, Marino, and Stafford. You add Mr. Jameis Winston to that list, but he threw also 30 fucking interceptions. And that's not what this story is about today. What this story is about today is Bruce Arians' comments about Jameis Winston. And, you know, it just doesn't seem like things are going to be going that good uh, for Jameis Winston here in the future in Tampa. Now, I think if he leaves Tampa Bay, which I'm not sure if he will or he won't, but... uh, if he does leave Tampa, I think he'll land somewhere else, and I think that somewhere else could be Chicago and be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I think he's immensely talented. I think that he just makes some bad decisions. After the game, he had quotes like, I'm balling. I just got to stop giving the ball to the other team. And, yeah, he definitely can play really good. If you listen to this podcast, he's one of my favorite, if not favorite player in the National Football League for some reason. I just really enjoy watching him play because it's so erratic. But I really see all the talent there because I really think he make he is one of those quarterbacks who can make any fucking throw on the field. And sometimes he just makes really big mistakes. Thus, 
30 interceptions. I mean, God, he had 5,000 yards. I guess if you want to add the total yards, but if you add interceptions, he has closer to 6,000 yards, which is nothing to really like brag about or, you know, go home and say, oh my God, good job, Jameis. But in general, man, like you just got to give it to this guy. He has a lot of talent. But anyway, after the game, so. Ah, so here's some things from Bruce Arians. Um, Bruce Arians is too old to give a fuck anymore, so he kind of let out. He doesn't care about people's feelings, and uh, he kind of let Jameis have it, which is weird because he's been a guy who's defended Jameis all year. I mean, I thought me and him were, you know, the the two presidents of the Jameis Winston fan club, but I guess I'm the I'm now the president of the Jameis Winston fan club. Bruce Arians might be getting rid of him. Um, Bruce Arians today, here's some quotes. Uh, He was asked about Jameis Winston's vision issues. His response was simply, Jameis is nearsighted. He can't see the scoreboard, but he can see the guys in front of him. Uh, That's not encouraging news. Maybe you need to get glasses. He also said, uh, Bruce Arians has some seemingly had enough of a Jameis Winston experience. When Bruce Arians was asked, if the Bucks could win with another quarterback, he said, "Oh yeah, if we can win with this one, we definitely can win with another one too." Um, and then Bruce Arians also added on Jameis Winston after Week 17 loss: "There's so much good and there's so much outright terrible, and that really does sum up the Jameis Winston experience." Uh, Jameis Winston, if he does leave Tampa Bay, he started Tampa Bay his first game in his first pass in his career with a pick six. And his last pass under his rookie contract with a pick six. I don't know if he stays in Tampa, leaves Tampa, but you gotta. I, I would, I'm giving this guy another chance. I think Jameis Winston has a renaissance coming up in his career. A guy who can throw 30 touchdowns and lead the league in in passing yards just has to make a few adjustments to get better. I know it's outright terrible. I know it's hard to defend. But if I mean, what's the alternative? I mean, the guys all uh, there's so many guys in this league like Mitch Trubisky who just can't move the football and have starting jobs, and you'd see someone like Jameis Winston, and you just have to hope and pray that he gets it together because he has all the talent to do so. So that's my quick thoughts on Jameis Winston, the situation going there in Tampa. I hope it gets better. I hope Jameis uh, learns not to turn over the football um the football is valuable <laughs> maybe he doesn't know that um so maybe he turns it around in his career maybe he doesn't turn it around in his career but hats off to Jameis um to NFL wild card weekend <sighs> so we got four games i'm i'm not going to give out any predictions here i'm going to have another podcast later this week with some predictions i just kind of want to break down a little bit of each matchup quickly bills and texans um this one is going to be interesting i think a lot of times in the wild card weekend you really want to go against quarterbacks or four quarterbacks and this is one of those weekends where i really don't think there is a bad quarterback or a horrible quarterback playing the Bills, Josh Allen, above average or average at worst. Deshaun Watson's very good. Ryan Tannehill's had a renaissance. Tom Brady is Tom Brady, even though he's not playing well this season. Kirk Cousins, for all his mishaps on primetime, is a decent to average quarterback. Drew Brees, obviously. Russell Wilson's great. And Carson Wentz, when we get to that game, you know how I, people know how I feel about Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz is fantastic. 
So the Bills and Texans open up our Saturday game. Everyone knew that. It's like the Texans special every uh, wild card weekend. You open up with a Texans game. Uh, I give the edge to the Bills, better defense. But with the quarterback play, you got to say, hey, Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback than uh, Josh Allen, so they could win that. Um, not too much interest there. I don't think either one of these teams can make a run to the Super Bowl. So that's that. Uh, the Titans and Patriots, everyone is writing off the Patriots because they lost to Miami. They lost to Miami last year, too. I don't think this is a very good offense in New England. Uh, what surprised me the most was Ryan Fitzpatrick, who um, was able to drive the ball 80 yards-ish. I think I forget the exact number to win the game and uh, defeat the Patriots last on Sunday. But, uh, fun fact about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick actually became the oldest player in NFL history to lead his team in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns in the same season. And yes, he's a fucking quarterback and he's not, I mean, he's not that athletic. Um, it was, it's pretty bad. 230 yards of rushing or so, uh, led the dolphins in rushing and five touchdowns led the dolphins in rushing touchdowns. So it's not that he put up some fantastic numbers. It's just that they had an abysmal run game and, Man, Brian Flores needs to get some consideration for coach of a year. For that team to start off 0-7 and finish 5-11, that means they went 5-4 in their last game versus the Patriots, who went 4-5 in their last game. Um, one thing with the Patriots and Titans game that's going to be interesting, the Patriots sometimes do sc- struggle against teams that had a system, that come from their system, and Mike Vrabel did come from their system. Uh, the Patriots have been pretty awful as of late. As of late. Finishing four and five in their last nine games. Meanwhile, the Titans finished one, two, three, four, five and four in their last nine games. But this was a team that was three and four, finished nine and seven. So they went six and three in their last nine. Um, and so, in general, this is a hot Titans team in a renaissance for Ryan Tannehill. And if you're, man, if you're a Miami Dolphins fan or in general, how bad is your organization that Ryan Tannehill, you know, goes and gets a second chance and just goes and fucking kills it? Um, a lot, and a lot of this team is familiar, the Titans with the Patriots. You got, like I said, their system, Mike Vrabel, Malcolm Butler's there. Um, there's a lot. Ryan Tannehill used to play in the AFC East. Not that that means anything against Belichick, but I mean Tannehill has played against the Patriots before multiple times. I still think the Patriots. Look, I could be wrong on this, but I've been right for so many years. I still think the Patriots can make and win the Super Bowl. Um, now, if I'm wrong this time, everyone be like, "Oh, you're an idiot!" But like, man, like once the head of the dragons cut off. I'll stop believing in the dragon. All right. So let's, I'm not saying there's just no separation from the receivers and it does kind of scare me, but they're limping into the playoffs and it kind of reminded me of this Denver Broncos team that played and beat the Carolina Panthers where they couldn't move the ball, but their defense was so spectacular. Um, we'll see if Brady and company can pull off anything. If they beat the Titans, they go to Kansas city and wouldn't it be fitting if, Andy Reid ends that Patriots dynasty after so many t- attempts in the playoffs and seemingly always dominating them in the regular season. So there's that. Vikings, Saints. Um, I, for some reason, I feel like the, the Vikings can win this game. The line's all the way up to New Orleans minus eight now. There is a big revenge factor for Drew Brees and Sean Payton against this team because they did lose to them in that Minnesota Miracle game a few years ago. I know a lot of the players are different now on that team, 
but in general, I just believe it's something that this team could really, um, you know, galvanize behind. Like, man, this team beat us in Minnesota. Fun fact, um, we'll get to the Seahawks game. The no-call pass interference, well, I've been arguing about it. It's not that bad of a missed call. But anyway, if that was called in the in the uh, Seahawks win, the Saints would actually have a bye week. So they got screwed two years in a row by a missed pass interference call. So that's what happens when you bitch all summer long. Uh, bad things happen to you. I, I really, I'll, I'll get, you know, I'm going to get to my soapbox here. New Orleans last year had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. There was a missed PI call that would have iced the game. They made a field goal. Then um, they gave up a late field goal to the uh, Rams to tie the game. And then they got the ball in overtime. Then Drew Brees threw an interception. And then they gave up another field goal to lose the game. So after that missed P.I., the Saints had three opportunities to win the football game. And they converted on zero of them. So that's your fault, New Orleans. And then you complain all summer long, and this is what you get. Anyway, back to the point at hand here. So the Saints, yeah, they're a better football team than the Vikings. And I know the jokes, the running jokes on Kirk Cousins can't win a big game. But let's see. Kirk Cousins had a pretty good year, 3,600 passing yards, 26 touchdowns. I know at times he can look erratic. I know at times he looks nervous. But a pretty fantastic season overall for the guy who has some really good weapons in Dalvin Cook returning. On to the Seahawks and Eagles. As you know, I'm a Seahawks fan. (sighs) Should have won that game. It's not the pass interference, which, by the way, as much as I watched it, it was a 50-50 call, maybe 60-40. It wasn't that egregious. I believe if they went and reviewed that play, it would probably would have stood. Do you watch a play? Hollister kind of initiated contact pretty hard and then turned around. So maybe the guy thought it was a pick play. Um, it was. It's And the ball came at him so fast, I don't even know if he would have caught it. That's beside the point here. The point is the Seahawks went ahead. Couldn't get got the ball on the one yard line, spiked it, and then got a delay game penalty after a spike. I mean, that's just you know that's just unexcusable. And it seems like in the Pete Carroll era, which has been the best era in the history of Seattle Seahawks football. So I'm not complaining about Pete Carroll, but I am gonna say that at the goal line situations, we've had some problems, and we should not have these problems. On to the Eagles. This team is dangerous, man. It seems like every fucking playoffs, we get the Eagles. They're down in the dumps. They somehow, like, that Super Bowl year, Nick Foles, everyone counted them out. Last year, they snuck in and got, went on a run. This year, Carson Wentz is carrying the team completely. Uh, if you don't like Carson Wentz or you don't understand that Carson Wentz is a very good quarterback, that's your problem. I'm done trying to make my point that... Uh, that he's not, oh he's just not a good quarterback like what are you talking about he's not a good quarterback La- yesterday he made a throw across the field uh for a, a touchdown in the second quarter w- w- against eight pe- eight people in coverage only two people running routes why were only two people running routes they have no one left to even run routes he had Miles Sanders out at that point. Their wide receiver one, two, wide receiver three, tight end one, running back one and two out, the right tackle out, right guard out, and Carson Wentz put the team on his back and won them 
fucking football game. And we have people out here who are going to tell me that Carson Wentz is no good. Carson Wentz sucks. Carson Wentz this. Carson Wentz that. He's amazing. Deal with it. Like, literally, just deal with it. Like, I don't understand why we get on these soapboxes sometimes. Same with Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, he's no good. Not everyone is Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. Not everyone's going to be that. But Carson Wentz is a really damn good quarterback. He proved it again. First quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards without one receiver getting 500 yards. First quarterback in NFL history to have three straight 4,000 yard, uh, 20 touchdown, sorry, 20 touchdowns and less than seven interception seasons. Carson Wentz is legit. Fourth at legit, 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, seven picks. And I'm a Seahawks fan, so I'm not even rooting for him right now. I'm rooting for us to demolish him. But keep your, but I want that all to stop. Carson Wentz is damn good. So that's our wild card weekend. Early Super Bowl predictions. I'm sticking to it. Patriots versus Packers. Patriots versus Packers is my Super Bowl prediction. Before the season, I had the Patriots and Eagles. I think the Eagles are too banged up. And I'd be very surprised if they made a run with that many injuries. Last, before we get to a little thing about Don't Fuck With Cats is my all-decade NBA team. I'm getting a couple people arguing with me already on Twitter. Um, as I, as everyone knows, I'm the resident James Harder hater fan club. I had him off my all-decade team. at guard Steph Curry, guard Dwayne Wade, and my three forwards or three bigs, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James. I know James Harden won an MVP award, and I know he's putting up some ridiculous stats, but if we want to go look at Dwayne Wade, who's been really good, those first Miami years, they won, what, two championships and went to four straight. That's, by the way, uh, three more final appearances than uh, James Harden and three, two more championships during that period. Decade, not career. Um, in 2010, 2009-10, so that season goes both into this decade and early part of last decade, 26-6 and six with six assists and five rebounds, 2010-2011, 25-6-4, and 22-5-5, 19-3-4, 21-3-4, and then the rest of the decade kind of you know falls off. But my question to you is, so I'm not going to give my reasons for Curry – Durant, Kawhi, LeBron, I think we all kind of get it. I think that goes without explanation. Kobe, obviously, last decade was much more you know, impactful than this decade. Um, but my question is, am I crazy to put James Harden over Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Wade over James Harden on the all-decade team? I might just be, okay? If I am, let me know. But I got Dwayne Wade over James Harden. All right. If you don't want to hear about Don't Fuck With Cats, turn off the podcast this second because we're getting right to it. Um, but first, let me give you a word from our sponsor. All right. I know we said we're going to talk about Don't Fuck With Cats, but I got a good text message from a friend who is just crazy about these type of things, and he's watching it tonight. 
So what we're going to do here, there's a little bit change of plans, but we're going to talk about Don't Fuck With Cats later. Not today, but at a later time. Uh, once he's done with it, he's done with episode one, and we're getting by end of this week, we'll have something about that. All right? So thank you for listening. Happy New Year once again. We talked about why New Year's. You got to be careful, man. No amateur hours. <laughs> Avoid them. Avoid them. And if you want, I mean, this is a great time to go on Netflix. Watch the documentary I'm talking about. Don't fuck with cats. I'll give you a little, I guess I'll give you a little insight about what it is, what it's about now. So when we do get the guests on the podcast, we can talk about it. And you guys will actually not have to have spoiler alerts. And you can actually continue to, you know, watch it. It's about a guy who basically, it's, it's very disturbing, kills some cats and posts it online. He suffocates him with a vacuum. There's no spoiler alerts there. A group on Facebook sees this, and they create a group, another group to that are cat lovers to go find this guy. So from there, a lot of crazy things happen beyond cats, and from there they do an investigation. They try to find him. It's very riveting. One of the most hard-to-watch documentaries, but hard-to-turn-off documentaries I've ever watched. So really, you got to check that out. You're going to love it. Um, And then next podcast, we will be having that on. And then I'll probably release it as a separate podcast as well. So listen to that. Thank you so much for listening. This has been episode 14 of Sports Are Funny with George Arjour. Subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app, Stitcher, wherever you like. Go to sonsports.com. This episode is always brought to you by SONT sports.com the best website on the planet we give you sports news without the fluff man we just put it in there we tell you what happened give you a little bit of a synopsis our opinion and we let you get on your way we're not going to bore you with with a lot of stuff we just tell you what's important all right so listen go to that thank you for listening this has been george arjour and this is why sports are funny oh thank you